Yes, sir. Two... Oh, okay, okay. There you go. Never anyway, interview your sorry. friends. Go for it. Okay. All right. It is Tuesday, October 6, 2020. Welcome to DeFi Download, a MetaMedia production. We're back again tackling the toughest decentralized finance questions crypto Twitter has to offer. Follow us at DeFi underscore download. Tweet, comment, tag us with your questions, and every week we'll give you some answers. Also, keep an eye out. There's some uh, free YUSD floating around as well. So uh, give us a follow. Give us some likes. Toss us your questions. Uh, it's been another wild week in the DeFi space. I'm John T. With me every week is the Curp. How's it going, Curp? Ew. Good. Good, good, good. good. Can't complain. I mean, Southern California in the air is not totally bad today. I mean, you're in LA too. I don't, it's probably worse in the Valley for you. Could be. Yeah, I'm, I'm on the other side of the Valley, but... uh. Not too bad, just 90, 90 degrees in October. It's I don't know how many summers it's going to take me to realize that summer That's... in LA is September and October and not June and July and August. Uh, very odd. Little known facts. The The ocean is never warm uh, and summer is September and October for all you East yeah, Coasters wondering a, how California we works. A current, we got a current that runs right off the coast uh, that comes down from like Alaska and Canada and everything. So yeah, the water's always 50, 60. The wetsuits are legit. Yeah, my uh, lifetime of North Carolina beaches growing up <laughs> with nice warm water during the summer did not did not prepare me for that. Bathwater beaches, yeah, totally. bathwater beaches. That's the best. Little tide pools. <laughs> All right. Well, we got uh, took last week off. Both had some dad duties, so I've got two two weeks of wild DeFi action to cover. Uh, just one set of questions this week from our uh, favorite commenter and twitter presence ross campbell a lot a lot of ups and downs over i guess mostly downs over these over these past two weeks we'll go through those questions we can touch on a few of the 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 recent news seems like i would say the DeFi space is simmering right now we had a got a little overheated a lot of wild action um definitely hasn't stopped though still seeing new new farms new projects um some new experiments got some new uh projects popping up dropping tokens so definitely not, definitely not dead, but I think people are a little, people aren't as, uh, not as much fervor as there was before. What's your, what's your overall, what's your overall sense of the, the space at the moment? The, the is DeFi dead question? Yeah. Um, yeah, it, the, my, my take on this, and this is, you know, maybe the sort of overarching perspective that allows me to live a level above the FOMO piece that I'm always talking about. But like the technology isn't going anywhere, right? Like this was all facilitated by a sort of Pandora's box type technology. It's open source. It's out there. Like it can only be stopped to the extent that they can find ways to, you know, chip out intermediaries and, or like meme momentum is maintained. And meme, meme momentum is almost impossible to maintain. So it's just always going to be like, it's, it's apt. We talk about serving for, for a California metaphor, but like, you know, the best you can do is catch those waves and maybe manufacture them to some extent. But as long as the like substrate, the water is still there. It's kind of like that dynamic can reemerge at any time. Right. So, 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 you know, uh, like our ICOs dead. I mean, on one sense, no, they've been happening internationally ever since the big boom where I paid attention to it a bunch. There's still, ha- it's still a thing that's going on. A subset of people just lost access to it because the regulators started going now, now, right? And like, 
so so even that like never went away at the same time people are chasing novel funding mechanisms they're just not called icos and some of them are like yeah that's an ico plus x and some of them are completely different even though in the end they're funding mechanisms the point is get some money from your project and disperse the value otherwise and yeah i think the the those of us that are in the quote unquote decentralized finance space, which you could really say is the whole crypto space. But if you're really in it for, you know, I, I think there's some base ideals that most people kind of share and some shared utopian vision for the future of finance that is probably unattainable, but something worth striving towards. Um, this open, permissionless, trustless, you know, financial infrastructure. Um, I think each wave you got to look at it and be like, all right, well, did we, did we come out of it with anything useful? <laughs> so, you know, coming out of the ICOs, you know, they, it funded a lot of crap and people lost all their money. Um, but they did fund a lot of good projects. You know, look at Ave, like they, they raised money in the ICO craze. I think their market value went really high and then tanked really low and it was low for a while. And, you know, now they're back pretty high, but they seem to have a good, functional product that's actually providing some value so on this last wave you know what is yet to be seen i guess is i think you would kind of say this last wave was this you know fair launch and farming craze so the ability to quickly deploy these staking contracts to distribute um tokens that have some control of over some uh some mechanisms in a in a quick and equitable and open manner so you kind of can say okay well you're providing this value you prove you're providing this value which value in the sense is like providing liquidity to a pool is how most of these were were um geared towards so okay you prove you're providing liquidity to this pool by having this token you bring it over here we're going to distribute this thing to uh you know all of you that it hopefully gives you control of something that may or may not have you know value in the future it's, it's like the same you know, the analogy everyone uses of like, oh, what if your bank just gave you stock for having your money in your savings account? So it's like kind of we built that structure Um, and, you know, yet to be seen if any of these, you know, use cases people are trying to use it for are actually valuable. Um, That'll take a little bit, Um, but I would say that's kind of like what we came out of it with and are continuing to iterate on. Um, So I guess that kind of hops into Ross's questions here you've layered in a couple um so uh what do we think of testing and prod do we think DeFi fads are accruing so i think that we kind of cover that one um do we think or does the focus on nfts reflect less network usage for yield farming so i guess that's bringing those you know the the nft thing in with yield farming (laughs) in this thing like there's a lot of potential with nfts being you know for people always bring up like you know licensing media for art yada 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 Uh, i think a lot of the volume that's been driven recently is probably because of some people um washing some some money and it's more of a rich man's game just buying ten thousand dollar digital art um probably some good usage there um whether or not there's added value for including it in with DeFi and yield farming you know tbd um i think the interesting question there is you know the testing and prod i don't know did you uh follow the uh oh, i'm already forgetting the name of it what was the uh the game that blew up the half wrecked eminence i have no idea what that is you have no idea what that one is <laughs> yeah you have to tell me about it 
Yeah, I, I I don't know if this was before or after Ross's question, but it's um it's uh it's apt. So it was uh, Andre Cronier uh, coming out of of, of Yearn Finance fame. Um, he obviously has a strong following. They deployed all all the Yearn Finance applications. Uh, famously with the phrase, we tested prod. So very limited test net testing. Uh, they do have Q&A, uh, things like that. But they got into you know very quickly iterating and deploying products. Um, and then it was like a week or two ago, started dripping out a little information on his Twitter, which a lot of people pay a lot of clo- uh, close attention to. Because if you're paying close attention to his Twitter, when uh, Wi-Fi dropped and you got in on that Friday night and just to, you know, put in a couple of thousand dollars worth of liquidity, your tokens would have, you could have earned tokens that would have topped out at like a hundred grand. So it's worth paying attention. People are always wondering what's the next thing going to be. So he started dripping out some information about a, a game uh, called Eminence. And I believe it was something that was started on Kickstarter. And then they, it was like maybe open source and like they got a hold of the code. But anyways, they're going to like bring DeFi and some role-playing game uh, together and they had these graphics for the different like factions of this thing. Well, there's going to be a token associated with it, and he leaked or somehow it was leaked what the actual token contracts were. Uh, and people went and found them uh, and started putting assets into it and minting this token. Uh, there was no front end for it, but it was a valid kind of the valid token, I guess, for the project. They just, there was, it hadn't, you know, they had been deployed, they're on mainnet, but there was just no front end for it yet. So everyone got all excited. Not everyone, but a lot of people did. And I guess $15 million got put into the contract. I think it was within 24 hours, uh, contract got hacked. Uh, Hackers stole all of it. Um, So people lost all of their money. And then they, uh, the hacker actually returned eight million dollars to the urine governance contract okay so that's the specific context i do understand the pitfalls of testing and prod um i think all the qa part aside right like your app might suck shit might just break right which is the real you know like let's take it away from crypto right the term the idea of just testing and production is ultimately like just push the app out and then if it breaks you fix it and oh well some people are mad at you but doesn't matter because most of the people on the long, you know, in the, in the sort of scale curve of your using your app. I mean, it's funny because it applies to media too, right? Like if only 15, if you don't have a popular podcast, kind of doesn't matter because only the 15 people who listened heard it. And it's not like anyone else is out there even knowing that it exists. Right. Yeah. We can say whatever uh, we want and, and not have yeah, risk like, of any real recourse. <laughs> right. Uh, at the same time, you know, we also might have a viral clusterfuck on our hands if we do a thing that blows up and the world like doesn't like it. Right. So there is still some like there's risk involved. Right. And when you're talking about these crypto projects, like that risk is assets flow into this contract and people might lose money because of you. Uh, uh, you know, and so so I'd say like testing a podcast in production. Eh, who really cares? Right you know, a thousand people hear my opinion. I apologize for it. If it was out of line, like we move forward. Um, if I take a whole shitload of money from people and then lose it, 
lawyers have things to say about that, right? Law enforcement has things to say about that. So, so you're talking about a context where it's just weird and it, and it's, and it's even weirder in this one because it's a game. So yeah. well, it, it's kind of like, well, testing a game in production is way more like testing a podcast. Like if you roll out a bad world of Warcraft layer, like people are just sort of like, Oh, remember update 15.6 that borked the whole thing. Uh, and then they fixed it. Like, uh, you know, I mean, you roll out Apple operating systems with bugs in them and they're fine. Well, I'll add a little context. There, there is a, there is some nuance to how the money was lost. So people weren't, people didn't lose the money that they put in to the staking contracts. Some people put in the money into the staking contracts. They got the token, then they created a listing for that token on Uniswap. Then people went and bought the token on Uniswap and drove the token value up to fifteen million dollars. So people held this token. Uh, not all of them went and really bought it, uh, but some people speculated on on buying it. So. You know, you could either work your way through the contracts and probably stake some liquidity pool token or some other some other asset, get it, uh, or you could buy it on Uniswap. And you need the people to buy it to actually put a price on the thing. So you could mint it all all day long, but until there's a market for it, like there's no value. People, someone could steal that. You know, and when I say steal the token, I mean someone figured out how to mint basically an infinite amount of it and just dump on the contract, bump, just dump all of it in Uniswap. So, and that steals all the liquidity in Uniswap. So some people were providing liquidity in Uniswap. People held this token expecting it to have value. Um, so all the people that were participating were speculators. And I think there's a couple components to this. Like, okay, who got hurt? Speculators. Uh, was their fault? And I think in in to take a step back, it's hard to build ethereum apps and do proper testing and maintain a proper testing environment i've i'm working on i'm kind of the, the lead product guy on two two uh DeFi projects and they like both of them we run into serious delays like trying to do things in test environments and a lot of times we're just like oh let's just like we need to just test it in prod um to where you deploy it and someone could find it and interact with it and maybe lose money on it if like they you know, if, if something was broken, um, but you just don't tell anyone about it. No one's paying attention really closely to like my project. So that's kind of what you're saying with like the podcast, like, yeah, like I could deploy whatever I want and test it in prod. No one's going to give it a damn. I can create whatever token I want, create a Uniswap pool until I go out and market it and tell people it's worth something and get people to, to trust me. Um, then they can do that. I think the error here was less uh, Andre testing in prod and more him dropping little, breadcrumbs out and about and to point people towards these things right. um and that's that's where i think and he, i think that's how it kind of resolved in the end he's like yeah i'm going to stop you know tweeting things out as i'm working on them and like sharing this information it's like yeah i mean once you get to that point of you know having a following you need to kind of adjust your you know adjust your strategy yeah and that's just the reality of that life that path in life, you know, it's like every, I feel like every prominent athlete has that quarrel at some point with the public where they're like, why am I a role model? I just play basketball. I like Charles Barkley was the famous one from my childhood, at least of just like, why, why, why I, I just, I continue to be good at basketball. I shouldn't be a role model for my like moral behavior. And then the public generally kind of goes, yeah, but that's not really how it works. Uh, and if you're Dennis Rodman, you could completely the other direction with that yeah. narrative and, so you blow have to be, the roof off. <laughs> it's like a consistency thing. You know, you can't really have it both ways. I think that's what you learn is like, you know, if Andre kind of took that approach of like, I just want to code, like get off, get off me. You don't need to, 
dribble information out there. Similar to like, uh, did you get the, the whole like few debacle? That kind of yeah. I, it didn't you know, touch me at all, but I talked to a lot of people about it. Yeah, and um, it's 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 a similar thing where you know, and, and this was basically someone trying to recreate how meme launched. Meme meme was uh, a a joke that Jordan. I think we covered in the podcast before, but like yeah. Jordan Leal posted this joke on Twitter. A bunch of people ended up in a Telegram group, and then they said, "You know what? We're all here. Let's drop ourselves a token, and then figure something out." So now they all had a token. Let's build a product around it, and they built something that's actually kind of interesting. We'll see if it has legs, if it if it if it runs for a while. Um, but they, they built something kind of cool. So, but everyone who got that token, like at one point the price peaked at like 2000 per token, you could add 600 grand for just getting that initial drop. So people are like, Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> I wonder if we can manufacture that. Um, so a couple, I got the more well-known people in Ethereum and DeFi or whatever, like create a telegram group and we're like, Hey, let's all invite a few people once you get to 50 people we'll create a token and then maybe we'll figure something out i guess there were some comments that taken out of context were bad jokes and then uh same thing they could have just you know created the token and maybe built something but then someone went on twitter and started dribbling little information out there saying hey this token's out there because things had changed with meme and everyone else is kind of having the same, you knew that was a possibility. You get a telegram group early, you get on this list, maybe you get the token and maybe, you know, wow, I'm so lucky. I got a put token now worth a hundred thousand dollars. Um, the problem was dribbling that information out there. People flood into the telegram group, say what's going on here. They have a little fun with it. People get pissed because they're either not included or they're like, hey, I see the comments ahead where it says you're going to like dump on people, which I don't think any of them, like that's not what the thing was. They're going to try to build a product. And then everyone, it became a whole thing, like a line in the sand of, okay, are you, <laughs> should we vilify these people, cancel right. them? And it, it was nothing. It was, it was absolutely nothing. But like, you just got to know better. You have a following. You got to know better not to, you know, yeah, like, bring those the, eyes in. The biggest thing is... uh testing in production and all the sort of the ethos around it. Right. The idea that like it, it, you know, uh, anonymous, anonymous release, like, you know, uh, 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 premature release of code. Um, this, this notion of testing in production, even notions of just saying, Hey, this is an experiment. Like at some point, eventually just saying that stuff fails or at least shouldn't be a shield. Right. And so, it, and I'm not saying this so much as like advice for projects, but it's more like advice for the denizens of the DeFi universe that are out there doing whatever as individuals. Like at some point, backing slowly away from a project that got sketchy on you is the right thing to do. <laughs> Doesn't matter how much money you think you might make by sticking around, because sticking around to make that money possibly opens you up to this whole this whole other thing that's just like um, intent intent really matters in criminal law, right? Like if they want to get you for fraud, they got to prove that you meant to do, to, you know, take part in fraudulent to defraud people. Right. But like civil law torts, which that kind of stuff where they can still take a lot of money from you. They just usually can't put you in jail. Like that's all just based on, would a normal per would 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 a normal person have known not normal what's the term uh 
well informed person, an average person or something like that I, there's a legal standard right and it's basically like every tort question you ever need to pass in that class in law school the question is how would an average person have responded how would a reasonable uh person have responded i think is what they call it right and and basically that's just a standard of like look they will charge you with a, th- a, a, a with with you know uh wrongdoing if you don't back away once a reasonable person should have gone like, oh, this is a damaging scam and I'm out, guys. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. And if you keep your bags, even keeping your bags at that point could be dangerous if you don't kind of go, OK, uh-huh, I'm out of here. Um, so I don't know. It's just like the thing to, to keep in mind always. Right. Like whatever narrative doesn't even matter. And when you get to that point where your gut is sort of saying like, eh, I don't know. And like testing and prod, whatever, it's, it's not going to matter. Um, yeah, so. I, I think just as people that are, you know, the community of people that can commu- interact with these projects, you know, if you're speculating, you're speculating. If you're going out and buying the token, like, you know, you be careful. <laughs> Anything can happen. Right. Um, if and, you're, and if you're if a you're, thought leader, like, I, you know, just, you have to oh, be yeah. careful. That's, that's the responsibility of a thought leader, whether you chose to be that or not, like y- you become a thing where now you have the, the law so thinks of you differently, you know, the, the responsibility of a thought leader. That's a, that's a title of a book <laughs> I never want to read. All right. Uh, I guess the last part of Ross's, uh, Ross's question is asking what's, what's the deal with the uni voting? Uh, uni the uniswap token and i think that is hopefully another thing that will get some structure uh, not structure set structure but you know i think one of the good conversations that's popped up now is i think what he's alluding to is to put a, a vote in for uniswap you actually have to have one percent of the total uh, supply either in your in your address or delegated to you which is it's a one billion it's like it's like 10 million uni tokens which is a lot of money I guess it's at three or four dollars now, so it's like thirty, forty million dollars worth of this this token, and it's hard because not all of it's been distributed, so there's not that much around. Basically, the team and their investors have like the the larger chunks, and um, the problem is like it's hard to to even put a proposal in to to vote on. You have to have that have that much. So how do you how does it really how is it really community owned? And I know a lot of a number of the well known folks in the space like Andre Kanye and um, I think Kane from Synthetics and uh, Stanny from Ave and Robert Leshner, they're trying to get like a cohort together of people to say like delegate to us to try to get some of these structural changes that I think most people feel need to be made at Uniswap, namely lowering that threshold for putting in a, um, you know, putting in a proposal. So what's interesting is like, yeah, I don't agree with that number, but what's interesting is if we can get over the hump and it can be changed, I think that's actually a kind of a, a neat thing to say, Hey, look, like it actually worked. It can get changed. And hopefully then it does open up. Um, but I think the structure of how these token voting schemes, what, what works and what doesn't for different types of projects and, and assets. Um, I know that's one thing that's being iterated on, heavily right now by a number of projects and groups and, you know, things that are building specific governance tools. Um, that's something I'm ho- really hoping we, we come out of this wave with at least better insight on, if not, you know, good templates. The launches are getting fairer. Yeah. Uh, and, and the funny thing about fair is like it, it, the fair launch 
idea and, 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 you know, what uni pulled off is still like really cool and really novel relative to the whole thing. Right. Um, or, 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 you know, like it still exists and the token is still there. Right. So, so the, the novelty of the mechanism, like doesn't go away, even if people are just like, wait a minute, but it's, it's still just, I don't have the control I thought I would have. Well, right. And for me, that's like, you're just always chasing the place where the technology hits humans and then it turns into normal old politics. Right. And there's going to be a different answer for what works for each solution. And so like maybe for uni, that's the best answer because the market falls apart. If there's too much, if it's too bubbly in the ability for people to jam up proposals and nothing ever gets done. Um, yeah. At this, yeah. You can't see my jazz hands if you're listening. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's it sounds like the community is not the happiest with this, but what are they doing? They're they're like politicking their way into having a consortium large enough that they have a seat at the table. That's just a labor union, yo. <laughs> like it's not, you know, uh, on some level, but it's it's more. You know, this is why I'm so obsessed with the DAO space personally. Like, um, the administrative overhead to put that group together and keep them cooperating is lower than it's ever been. So you're just going to see more and more of that. And every, every governance token becomes a scheme to try to, you know, incentivize the right type of human collaboration in that space. Uh, You know, in this case, they have a voting scheme, which is like, okay, let's get the humans to show up and vote. And everybody looks at the, has their uni tokens now. And then went, wait a minute, my vote doesn't count what do you like, what do you do? Right. Like you all get together in a state and then that state takes issues to the federal government. It's just, yeah, everything's, you know, no, I'm, I'm, <laughs> everything's a remix. <laughs> I'm bullish on the idea that eventually uh, for like the major protocols, at least um, most of the voting will be done by DAOs um, or like professional, you know, pr- full-time uh, decentralized politicians. <laughs> so because it, it, there's so many things out there. It becomes a full-time job if you want to participate in governance of two, three, four, five, six different things. And let's say there's, you know, in a year, there's a thousand that are valid and functioning. How many active people are there in, in DeFi and in crypto yeah, yeah, to, it to just, even, that even know how to participate? On some level, it becomes a problem of human time and human expertise, right? Like there are professional board members that you have never heard of, dear listener, for a reason, you know, within corporations. And they are really good at going, I'm going to go to the board over there and then fix that company. I'm going to go to the board over there and fix that company. And their whole job is just to be in the top 20 of people who get to say a thing about how a company works. Like that is not vastly decentralized but it has gotten us to a place in terms of how we run you know companies that have at this point used software to eat the world so you know it's a valid mechanism in some sense we might want to bust it up on purpose but like the idea that it isn't going to settle to some level of political you know human back and forth to solve the thing is you know well it's the classic balance of all the stuff that we're building is you know, we kind of go in one direction of let's just rebuild this thing that already currently exists. So yeah, it's like board members, boardrooms, but it's, there's different infrastructure. And then, you know, you have to, you have to find out if something did that in its current state and 
regular finance evolve that way because that's just a natural way for humans to interact and manage value and that, and that that's a good thing or is it that it's been perverted through you know just you know in dealing and it's something that should get shaken out with decentralization or is it just something that was like okay well we didn't have the decentralized these better tools so we just had to do this but there's a better way to do it now now that we have these tools right. it's like which which bucket is this person or this operation in <laughs> so we got to try like all of them and then kind of see what sticks and it's interesting to me seeing the way that it oscillates you know in the context and it's sort of it gets us back to the nft point from before you know like there were aspects of how the stock market worked that were limited by telegraph then they were limited by telephone then they're limited by computer network pacing and like at some point in that sort of evolution of the system of of you know how we handle stocks me owning shares in apple was supposed to mean that i literally had a document like with a golden seal embossed on it in a file cabinet somewhere that they could give me and put in a briefcase like if i wanted it and so it's funny when they say well is there a is there an nft piggyback on defi yeah pieces of paper but like of like of course you know not literally but the fact of the idea that my stock certificate should be a piece of paper in a folder somewhere that i can produce if i need to has existed for a long time within, you know, like, like, like traditional systems, maybe for a reason, maybe not. And that's where that NFT question comes down to it, right? Like, do you need to, to prove sort of sovereign ownership of the thing when you're talking about equity in a company or do you need to, does it not matter? Um, like, I feel like that's the test we're running right now, but like for sure, somebody's going to piggyback an NFT on top of stock certs. Because that actually fits better with the legal system. So someone's going to try that and go, hey, how about this instead of the piece of paper? And if a judge says yes, you know. <laughs> yeah, I think the the important takeaway coming out of this, this cycle that I, I don't think this cycle's done, but I'm, I'm a serial optimist is, yeah, it seems like we have the tools for rapid iteration on a lot of these different vectors. And I don't know if people are going to really stop because it seems like you can pretty quickly spin stuff up try it with a low cost, uh, low risk, because you can use a lot of contracts that are pretty, have been proven to be pretty safe uh, and then see what happens. And if it doesn't work out, you know, people are out just some time and effort and speculators are out a little money, but you know, that's the job of a speculator, right? Um, cool. Well, uh, I think those are the big questions for this week. Uh, did, which one I ask you the one, one big thing that went, went down BitMEX, I was gonna say we didn't even get to Bitmax. I know. <laughs> we'll keep it. We'll keep it short. So I, you uh, know, they, basically the, the shakedown was someone got arrested. Arthur Hayes threw up a couple middle fingers from a, across a large body of water towards the United States from from the United States. Uh, people have been taking their money out of Bitmax. I just got a question like, you know, do you think this is good or bad for for DeFi? It's it's sort of back to the same thing of like watch the waves right um i would say the same thing here right like the volume that bitmax uh, uh sustained for as long as it did you know showed this global appetite for this sort of uh mechanism at the same time they broke some rules and they get slapped for it and it's going to scare some of the other potential rule breakers into behaving a certain way and that might set back innovation because 
places with the restrictive laws are going to say, well, you can't do this. Well, okay, so now I don't have access to Bitmax, but I already didn't use it because I take a look at it and I go, oh, this might blow up eventually. You know, uh, yeah, well, but in 10 years, you know, Bitmax is going to be referenced when we talk about the thing that got us to Bank of America works completely differently for your average consumer and their concept of money has completely shifted compared to the world of credit cards and PayPal's that we live in right now. Um, no, I think your, your point about the appetite is right. And the question is going to be, are they going to go after now finance? Like these places that you know, BitMEX is still operating in some capacity. Uh, but I think, you know, the big issue was that they were not restricting people from the United States from using their platform at all. And, you know, they, they blocked IPs, but I think Arthur Hayes uh, very frequently like was shilling VPNs to say, hey, people in the US use a VPN, you can just deposit, there's no KYC, yada, yada, yada. So will places like Binance, I know they have Binance US, which is, I guess, technically regulated, um, that has, I don't know, if, I don't think Binance US has the leverage in- instruments. That was a big thing with Bit- BitMEX going 5, 10, 100x long. Um, <clears throat> you know, there was this appetite that whether they're in the United States or maybe they're international and worried about BitMEX going down, period. Like, where is that appetite, this risk appetite going to flow? Um, I think the, the components exist in, in DeFi to provide these instruments. So like places like DYDX, I think currently have, well, they're, they're blocking United States users as well. Um, so the question is, can you create something that's decentralized enough that the whole world can use it? using these components um, and can it scale? Can it scale to, to take on that appetite where before it was, you know, people are using these things in DeFi, these, you know, lever trading instruments, but you know, it's not a large number by, by anyone's account. Um, so now these billions of dollars are looking for risk somewhere, you know, where, where are they going to find it? Will someone pop up and create something that can scale properly? Right. And ultimately, I think the bummer is just how fast can it happen and what does it look like? You know, that's the place that hits the boringness of something like, you know, um, there are law firms who operate, you know, in the United States in all 50 states. And you do that by getting licensed and opening an office in every single state. You hire attorneys in that state. You get insurance in that state. You can, you can do it it's just a giant logistical hassle which means there's three or four or five law firms that actually pull it off in the u.s right i mean like and the problem here is you know these enforcement actions what they do is they force the localization of the legal stuff around this right so some countries will say this is okay do it here well okay great but you can only do it there because you can't you can't do it in the u.s it's all blurrier because we're all digital, so it's not actually the physical geographic jurisdiction. It's that's the really messy part. But you know, the reality is like somebody could piece together the web of licenses needed to do all this stuff. I mean, the proof is the banks that exist already. Like it's Bank of America, but it functions in every country in the world on some level. There's certainly infrastructure restrictions and then political things like China, but you know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, being a bit more independent and not, I guess, uh, protected by you know a large another large uh, entity um, isn't helping them. Yeah, so it'd be interesting to see if any of the centralized. I mean, you see Coinbase and Gemini 
posting a lot, uh, listing a lot more tokens now. So they've been a little more have, showing a bit more of risk appetite, but they, they haven't been rolling out derivatives, uh, which is a whole other ball game. So we'll see if uh, anyone is able to step in, I guess, centralized first and kind of take that take that mantle. Right. Uh, or if there it'll... Is, there's, there's an idea in politics they call the Overton window, which is essentially like uh, if you want to push for a more progressive or cent- or like conservative uh, uh, agenda, the Overton window is like the window of acceptable opinions on that thing. And a lot of politicking sometimes, particularly in the public sphere, is not necessarily about like, can we find a solution that makes everyone happy? Like a lot of times it's just about shifting that window in a direction. And so like it's a constant problem in U.S. politics where the conservatives play a a certain game that shifts the window and then the progressives kind of just try to make them happy. And so what you're doing is you're taking the bottom anchoring point and you're you're carrying it forward right the fact that bitmex had to go to 100 100x or whatever you know like these insane numbers means that maybe coinbase can get away with a 12 (laughs) right like so there is an extent to which having the people push the envelope is even helping the people that are 100 percent like we'll play by the rules uh coinbase is getting away with adding tokens because there's somebody like bitmex out there going everything works 100 percent 100x returns like as long as that 100x return person is like sometimes when it comes to regulatory things you just want to be the second like it's like running from a bear you only have to be faster than one or two people yeah not you don't have to be at the head of the pack you just have to be not at the back (laughs) like right so yeah, and I think the the main point with like some of the the DeFi stuff, like with DYDX, you know, like I said, they're already you know geo fencing the the app, uh, but it's the same thing. It's no KYC, so you can just VPN your way around it or whatever. And but you know, very few people are using it. The lower leverage. Um, I don't know if you can ever you know, Uniswap. Famously, you can't like you can geo fence Uniswap dot exchange, but. Yeah, I think they've put it on uh, an IPFS hosted site that you can access from anywhere that can't really be blocked. Um, it's more like decentralized. So the question is like, will there be someone stepping into that more robust, uh, you know, leveraged deriv- derivatives exchange side that can get to scale, but doesn't have a choke point? Um, and we're probably a ways from that, from that being possible. Uh, but we'll see. There's, there's definitely definitely an appetite. I mean, that's the biggest thing, right? And it, and it even gets back to the, is DeFi dead? Like, no, because the appetite for this stuff is still there. Every time a new thing pops up, there's volume for it, right? What's the new thing going to be? I don't know. And is that thing going to be a thing and then, de- quote, dead? I, eh, probably. Yeah. What, you know, I don't know. We'll, well hang around here and answer questions about it. It's <laughs> the, the goal. Or, exactly or not or fail to answer questions i don't know <laughs> <laughs> provide provide some hopefully provide some context from people from two people who uh for better or for worse are in it all day every day <laughs> so we can at least see it we might not understand it but uh we'll do our best cool man well uh appreciate it good week we'll see what see what we got see what we got in store for next week you got it awesome uh, thanks for listening uh, everyone uh, talk to you then. <laughs>